You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 500. Yes, we made it 500 episodes of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Uh, if you missed any of the first 499, <laughs> you can go back and check those out on our feed, including one over the weekend. We broke down both the games against the Wolves and the Cavaliers, but we have a big surprise for you for episode 500. A headline guest, the biggest guest I've ever had, I think, on the podcast, and his name is Hawks General Manager Travis Schlenk. Uh, yes, I sat down with Travis for about 25 minutes. It's, about, it's, it's over the phone, so the quality is not perfect, I will say, but it's uh, very, very easy to listen to, hopefully, and Travis got into a number, number of topics. I really appreciate him joining me on the podcast, and shouts to the Hawks for letting me get some time with him for our, our sort of commemorative episode, so thanks to Travis for that. Uh, one thing to note on this podcast that you're about to listen to with Travis is that I recorded this with him on Saturday morning, so it was before the game against Cleveland um, and after the game against Minnesota, so when he says that he's referencing the game on last night, he's talking about the Friday game against Minnesota, obviously the overtime victory over the Wolves. That was a fun one. He was uh, probably in a good mood as a result of that, and the Hawks have been playing great basketball uh, in terms of, uh, at least according to their baseline from the future. So, wanted to at least talk about that and get that, get that out of the way. Sorry, so there's any uh, clarification that was needed. Hopefully that covers it. Um, after a short break, we'll be back again with Travis Schlenk. And uh, please, again, please forget the audio, but I'm really excited about this podcast. Please let me know how you think it turned out at BT Roland or at Locked on Hawks on Twitter. Please also subscribe to the podcast. Um, please do all that fun stuff. Tell your friends. Uh, share this one. I'm sure this will be of particular interest to a lot of Hawks fans, so please go ahead and share it. And after this short break, I'll be back with Travis Schlenk. Travis, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, I guess first off, I think your team's playing the best basketball it's played this season, which has to have you in a pretty good mood. What have your uh, impressions been of this latest run and sort of the first almost half of the season so far? Yeah, no, the, la- the last 10 games, uh, we've started to play pretty good basketball, you know, where I think we're five and five over that stretch. Uh, you know, the last five games we won four out of five. So, so that feels good. I think our, uh, our ball movements up about, you know, 10 passes per game, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, that it's, it's pretty substantial for us. Uh, we went from being the last place offense to the league to, I think most recently, uh, 16th in the league. So, so that's a big help for us. And, just seeing individual players start to play better uh, as well as the group playing together as a whole. So we're pretty happy with the progress to this point. Yeah, I can definitely see why you can, uh, with a young team trying to sort of turn the corner. It looks like there are signs of that, which is obviously a good thing. Um, you've, you've got an interesting trio of those first-round rookies that you drafted back in June. I think obviously the headliner being Trey Young. I want to ask you about him. What have you seen from Trey so far to start his career, and are you seeing what you thought you would see through the first you know, 35 games or so? Yeah, I've really been, and I spoke with Trey last night before the game. Uh, really been pleased with just his defensive effort. You know, you know, coming in to the league. You know, last year at Oklahoma, that was certainly a big knock on him. Was was his effort defensively, um, and you know what we're seeing now is his effort is, is getting way better at getting through screens and you know getting through the first action. At first, it was all right. I got over the first screen. Now I can relax, and, and you can't do that up here. You have to play for the whole 24 seconds. So just his, his ability to focus and keep his effort up for the whole 24 seconds defensively and, you know, run it, shooters to get contests, uh, things of that nature. So, so we're seeing a lot of growth there with him. Um, for an offensive perspective, you know, 
have always felt really, really strong about his ability to see the floor and make passes that a lot of guys just, just don't see and don't have the ability to make. And he's got that. And, and we see that, you know, where he's averaging whatever it is, seven assists um, for a rookie point guard. You know, that, that's pretty impressive stuff. You know, last night obviously had the 11, I think. So real happy with his ability to pass the ball. Uh, and from a shooting standpoint, um been very impressed with his ability to finish in the lane. Uh, he's got a really good floater for a young player. Uh, a lot of times, small guards struggle to finish in the lane. And, you know, he's been, uh, I think, over 60% at shots within two or three feet of the rim, which is, a, you know, a very good clip for, for a young guard. Uh, and obviously, he struggled with, with his jump shot. Um, but, you know, we have all the confidence in the world that, that that's going to get there. And I think over the last, you know, again, since a small sample size, 10 games, you know, he's back up above 40% there. So been real encouraged with that. Certainly he has work that he needs to do, um, but I've uh, been real pleased with him. And as, you know, Kevin, um, Kevin's a guy that some days in the off season or early season, you know, he would be the best player in our gym. So we had real high hopes for him and, you know, he didn't have the opportunity to play in summer league and then preseason started, um, he was just so tentative and so nervous out there. And I think the biggest surprise with Kevin that we've seen from where he was in the preseason to now is just his ability and effort on the defensive end. You know, if you go back and think about the preseason, there's so many times that he looks so lost out there, so nervous or so scared to just, you know, a step or sometimes two steps behind. And now on the defensive end, you know, he's really doing a great job of fighting through screens and staying in front of guys and, uh, so really, really happy with there. And obviously he's got a great stroke. Um, he's got the ability to put the ball on the floor. He's got the ability to make passes. So, so we're pretty high on him as well. And then Amari, the, you know, the third guy that we drafted, um, he had the, had the injury with his hip that kind of slowed him down here recently. You know, the biggest thing for Amari of only playing the one year at Villanova, they had a very distinctive style where he was just kind of always floating on the perimeter uh, never really had to roll to the rim defensively. They switched everything. So was, there wasn't uh, any, uh, any time where he had to think, all right, this is a different player. I have to have different coverages here. So it's just really trying to get him repetitions and learning being in those situations. Um, but you know, we're, we think he's got a bright future. You know, he, obviously he's got a, a great body. He's got, he got good instincts blocking shots. And obviously, you know, he's got the ability to step, step out and stretch it offensively as well. Absolutely. And, you know, as I'm sure, you know, there's been a, obviously a ton of coverage about the trade with, with Dallas and all that fun stuff. I know it's 30 games in; it's a little bit too early to judge any of that stuff, but is that, do you hear any of that, any of the discussion about that that's still happening nationally and or the situation now where you're just focusing on what you have and what's, uh, what's ahead for your team? Well, it's, it's hard not to hear, right? It's a story <laughs> every day, <laughs> but no, listen, you know, we, we made a decision that we thought, um, was a good decision for us. And, you know, we're, we're happy with the decision. We're happy with what Trey's given us. And we think he's got a bright future. Um, you know, obviously Luke is doing great and I'm happy for him. And I'm glad that the Dallas guys, you know, are happy, but you know, what we're excited about is when we get to June and, you know, we'll have, we'll have our pick uh, and we'll have Dallas's pick. And, you know, we did the trade back during the draft. Um, our guys were projecting the Dallas pick to be eight. Um, now we're projecting it to be around ninth. So, you know, for someone 
you know, in my position to go into the draft and have potentially two top 10 picks. That, that's exciting. It gives you a lot of flexibility and things you can do. Um, you know, it's just, it's just another, another asset for us to use as we start to, you know, build this thing from the ground up. And looking ahead to that 2019 draft a little bit, I guess this is just more of a question of what you're doing this time of year. I know you're dealing with the trade deadline and all that stuff. How much, how are you splitting your time between, you know, league evaluation and trade discussions that might be happening over the next five, six weeks and also looking ahead to June and evaluating college guys? Um, so I'm, I'm out quite a bit going to college games. Um, I'm probably at 90% of our games. Uh, if there's a college game that I have to be at or I feel like I need to be at and it coincides with one of our games, you know, that, that college game is going to take, take precedent for me. Um, just quickly here, going to look something up. So, yeah, I've already seen 39 different college teams play this year live uh, and several of those teams multiple times. So uh, I keep pretty busy. Uh, as far as, you know, the trade talk goes, you know, that, that's, you know, with cell phones and smartphones today, you, you can be anywhere in the world. You don't have to be sitting at your desk anymore to have conversations with other teams. So those conversations happen all the time, um, you know, from, from anywhere. So that, that's just an ongoing process that, you know, it's only going to continue to pick up as we get closer to the trade deadline in February. Um, so, yeah, just keep them busy with the team. Try to be as many games as I can. But but if there's a college game or college matchup that, you know, we feel like is really important, that that's going to win out right now. And that, that seems to make sense given what you said about the ability to kind of call anywhere uh, and, and talk to your fellow GMs kind of from every, anywhere that you are uh, running around the country. I know the deadline's a few weeks out, as you mentioned, but is there anything you're looking for specifically with your team? I know you're sort of in this rebuilding mode, so it's not quite the same mentality as every team in the, in the NBA, but what's your, what's your focus and what are you sort of looking for and taking calls on between now and the deadline? Well, uh, you know, for us, there's there's two groups right typically and this year it's really it's really going to be interesting to see how it all plays out typically you know there's, there's buyers and sellers and the, every team kind of knows where they stand but this year there's so many teams bundled up uh really especially in the west but the east too where it'll be interesting to see what decisions teams make do they want to make a a push to get to the playoffs because you know in the west i think it's the top four, 13 or 12 teams are all you know, bundled in there, and and it doesn't look like there's not that Golden State's not been dominant in the past. You know, it, you could see a situation where you see a couple lower seed teams in the first round of the West win a playoff series. You know, get to the second round. So it'll be real interesting to see who turns into buyers and sellers with those teams. You know, for us, uh, you know, anything that we do, um, it's going to involve a couple different things. It's going to, one, not hamper our financial flexibility moving forward, and it's going to involve um, young players, uh, probably on rookie-scale contracts, and it's going to involve draft picks. You know, we're not going to make a trade uh, to swap um, a veteran player on our roster for another veteran player from another roster with a long-term contract, you know, unless we're getting compensated to take on that money. So, you know, we, we took heat last year some, from some people from, you know, not trading Bellinelli and Ilyasova, but we made the decision on all the offers we had for those guys to take on long-term money and cut into the cap space we had this past summer. Um, didn't make sense for us to get another second-round pick. Um, you know, this year we're sitting there, and it looks like we're going to have five draft picks this year. We'll have our pick 
the Dallas pick more than likely. We have our second round pick. We have Charlotte's second round pick, and we'll have the least favorable of the Minnesota Lakers second round pick, which looks like it'll be the Laker pick. So adding another draft pick to this year is not a high priority for us. You know, the draft picks we looked at will all be draft picks out in the future so we can continue to build a stockpile of assets in the future. Which makes sense, and obviously you have that uh, maybe that Cle- that Cleveland pick coming, or some two or some seconds coming from them as well, and the potential of the sh- of the uh, pick you acquired from Oklahoma City too. So a lot of a lot of picks in the future is always, I, I would assume that's a pretty nice problem. I guess not, not really a problem, even a sort of a nice quote unquote problem to have, is just having all these picks stockpiled in the future. Yeah, for sure. And you know the process that we're going now with our our group is you know do we look to take some of those future assets and package it for for another young player we feel like they can fit with our with our group. Uh, and those are just the the dialogues that we have you know all the time. Uh, just because we have those picks doesn't mean that you know we'll pick them all. There'll come a time when we'll make the decision that if we can package picks together to go out and get a, an established player or a young player, you know, we, we'll look to do those things as well. And uh, yeah, obviously that makes sense. I, w- I want to take you back to the summer one more time and ask you sort of a nerdy question, um, sort of more of a deep dive question. But uh, Dwayne Debbin elected to opt into his player option, which wasn't a given, I, I don't think. What, what sort of conversations did you have with Dwayne and his agent and all that stuff before that decision got made? I, I believe he has sort of a bonus for playing time and starting time and any of that stuff that was uh, any of that, any of that sort of in the mix with him. What kind of discussions were had with Dwayne before he elected to come back for his uh, second season with the Hawks? Yeah, so I was in contact with Dwayne and his agent the whole time um, through the process. You know, his, his date to opt in was right before the draft. So, um, you know, his agent was trying to pick my brain, you know, who are you going to draft? You know, they, 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 they knew the direction of our franchise. And obviously there were a lot of young big guys in the air projected to go in the area uh, that we were picking. And, you know, to, for Dwayne to come for us to draft a, you know, a, a young center and give that center, you know, a lot of minutes, you know, wasn't, wasn't great for Dwayne. Um, you know, the agent, you know, doing his job, canvassed the league to see what sort of interest there would be for Dwayne. Um, and ultimately, you know, they, they made the decision that they were going to come back here. Um, but I'd also had conversations with agents that if he did come back here, and, you know, we would have drafted a big guy and things weren't going great. I would help work to get Dwayne to a situation that would be good for him. And, you know, Dwayne's a, a good player. He, he's, a, he's on a good contract from a team perspective. So just try to have open and honest conversations with, the, with uh, you know, agents and players um, about where things stand. You know, the one thing that, that I've learned, not just in this business, but certainly in life, is you save yourself a lot of heartache if you uh, just be honest and upfront with people as opposed to try to trick them and <laughs> be deceitful. Oh, absolutely. Um, and along, along with Dwayne, you have a couple other, a couple other veterans who I'm sure you're getting calls on. And that's, you know, Jeremy Lin, Kent Bazemore, guys that are always discussed. Um, how much interest has, have there been in those guys so far? I know you can't probably talk about too much of that stuff, but I, I'm sure those guys are in demand around the league as some, as some guys who might be able to help potential contenders. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to get into the, to that sort of stuff, obviously. You know, the one thing I think people forget about this um, is these people, these players, they're people too, right? And they have Absolutely. families. And so you, you see you see all these rumors and speculations out there. And like, that, that wears on these guys, man. You know, they're, 
they're they're they've got families established here you know some of them have homes here and you know to hear their name floated out there all the time it's you know it's it's sad and i think people kind of forget that uh from time to time but certainly you know listen every team in the league knows where we are in in our process and obviously we have good players so yeah we get calls on, on a lot of our guys but you know i would also say that you know 99 percent of the phone calls we get never go anywhere so it's, it's trades uh trades don't don't happen every day as you know um but you know like i said it's it's just part of it i just i, I feel bad because all the speculation that gets thrown out there about guys and you know that that, that wears on them um and their families yeah it's definitely important to remember that and i'm glad you were able to say that too. I should uh, point that out more often as well. Um, you, you have a pair of these, uh, I guess, returning young vets that you have starting in Torian and John. Oh, Torian's been out for a while now, but are you happy with what you've seen from those guys so far? Obviously, John was your first draft pick. You sort of inherited Torian, but those guys were uh, obviously solid players for you last year and are now back in these more full-time starting, you know, cemented roles. What have you seen from those two guys this year? Yeah, you know, Torian um, has been out now. I think it's three, almost four weeks now, and he's probably going to be out for a, a few more weeks as he gets back. He got his ankle pretty good. But, you know, I think what we were starting to see from Torian at the beginning of the year is he was taking a, a much more vocal leadership role, you know, now going into his third year in the league and, you know, having, you know, three rookies on the roster. He was starting to, you know, be more of a, more of a vocal leader. Um, you know, Torian's without question, uh, his greatest strength is his ability to shoot the ball. Um, he, he didn't get off to a great start, but, you know, he's one of the, the better spot up, you know, catching two three point shooters in the league. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be an over 40% three point shooter every year. And in today's, today's NBA, that's obviously an extremely valuable commodity. Um, with John, um, you know, last year, as you saw, you know, we start start to see him stretch his game out past the three-point line to the corners. And now, you know, we're working on stretching that out to the wings and to the top of the key. Um, you know, a big step for John is going to be just reading situations, realizing when it's time to roll to the rim, when it's time to pop. And those are the things we're working on with him. But, you know, John's gotten off to a great start the year. As we looked down last night again, you know, it's just a, another ho-hum oh 21-10 for John. Like, he just goes <laughs> out there and gets numbers. <laughs> yeah, you seem to be having a lot of success with the number 19 overall pick in the draft um, over the last two years with the way that Kevin <laughs> and John have been playing. I know just briefly more on John. I mean, you mentioned the numbers. I think a lot, a lot of fans are getting really excited about John. When you see that 2010, you know, sort of, not it's almost routine at this point as you kind of as you as you kind of allude to what where is an area that John needs to keep growing because I think people are seeing him as a as a potential star given given the numbers so what does he have to do to hit that next step from here I think one of the the areas that you know we're going to have to get better at and not with John but a lot of our guys is just individual post defense right John's going to have to learn you know not to not to pick up fouls when he's playing one-on-one -on -one down there, you know, and not, and it's, again, it's not just John, but, but it's all our guys, you know, they shot a ton of free throws last night. And, you know, fortunately for us, they, they missed a lot of them too. So um, it's just learning how to play, how to be physical, uh, but not commit personal fouls. Yeah, that's and that was something that was a sort of a worry with him coming into the draft too, as well, wasn't it? Cause I think he was in foul trouble quite a bit at Wake Forest. 
Yeah, no, and that's one of the reasons why he slipped too. Um, you know, just he had the knock of not being a defender. But you know, the one thing about John is he he was one of the best rim protectors last year. Um, he doesn't block a lot of shots because he doesn't have great length, but he got really good last year coming over uh, on help and you know jumping straight up, straight down, being vertical at the rim, and he, he forced a lot of misses at the rim even though he didn't get a lot of uh, block shots like you would think of a normal rim protector, but he got, he got really good at that. Um, so, you know, getting back to that. And then, like I said, being able to defend individually, you know, when you're guarding the guy in the ball without committing fouls. Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, two more real quickly. One, is that it's almost easy to forget that Lloyd Pierce is still a first-year head coach. I know it is for me, having been around him and how polished he is and all of that. But how do you think he's taken to his role, and have you been pleased with what you've seen from uh, your first-year coach? Yeah, you know, Lloyd and I you know, have known each other. Uh, shoot, I don't even know when it was he was with us in Golden State. But, you know, known him for a long time, you know, it, it is a real big advantage for me going through a head coaching search to be able to have, you know, a good list of candidates, all guys that I'd either worked with before in the past. So I had a good idea of who the person was. Um, so, you know, with Lloyd, he, he, he's been great, uh, you know, dealing with our guys. It, it's so important, you know, when you're going through this process of, you know, building through the draft and having a lot of young players of, maintaining a positive vibe, um, you know, keeping an upbeat environment. Uh, and, and Lloyd's done an unbelievable job. You know, you have, you have the ability to, you know, be in our locker room and, you know, ho- hopefully you feel that as well. Like our, our guys, even though we're, we're not winning as much as we want to now, um, you know, we've, we're maintained a positive vibe in our locker room. And, and that's so important. I know player development was a huge part of uh, why you wanted to bring him in. And you, I guess going back to Friday night, there was an interview with Robert Covington, who was uh, on the scene at the intro press conference. How much does something like that speak to you? And how much does this, that player development, the relationships that Lloyd has, uh, both on this team, obviously, and around the league, kind of speak to the speak to the man that he is and the coach that he is? Yeah, no question. He's got he's got a really really good personality. He's really easy to talk to. Um, you know, he he's very thoughtful. Uh, and it goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, these guys, they just want you to be honest with them. You know, that they don't want you to lie to them. They don't want you to yell at them all the time. But if you can have a respectful, honest relationship with these guys, um, you're going to have that good environment. And that's what Lloyd does. You know, sometimes, as you know, not just, again, in basketball and life, the hardest thing to do is be honest with someone. But that's what people respect the most, and certainly Lloyd has that, um, and it's his ability to have open, honest conversations with guys. That's what they respect about him, and that's why they trust him. Um, so it's, it speaks really highly of him, and as you mentioned, he's you know having the ability to talk to him. And he, he's, he's just so he's stoic, I guess is the word some people use. Like <laughs> yeah. he's just he's just he, he's confident. Um, but he's not arrogant, and, and those are two great qualities. Absolutely, and this is the last one I'll get you out of here. I really appreciate the time. Um, 
big picture wise, I think it's obviously it's, we talked about this a little bit so far, but the team's sort of in this acquisition mode and rebuilding and all that stuff. Do you is there like a plan a long? I know there is a long term plan, but is there sort of a dividing line or something that you look for when you're looking to sort of flip into more of a a player talent acquisition mode when you're looking towards competing, or is that something that's kind of dictated by how you guys play season to season on the court? Um, you know, I, I get the, that. Well, I think the question you're asking is a question I get a lot, and it's how long is this going to take? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, and, and I say the answer to that is, is yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I told our ownership group this year, you know, they asked kind of the same question. I said, listen, if we go out there and we win 41 games this year, um, then, we, then we'll know it's time that this young group, the young group of guys we have, like they're ready to compete. Let's, let's go out and get aggressive. Um, so we'll know, um, uh, certainly the last, you know, five games, 10 games is, is a great sign. Like if this group can go out there and, and we start being successful, um, you know, then we have $30 million this summer, $36 million this summer to go out there to start plug in pieces. Uh, as opposed to to use that space to collect more assets, um, you know, and that's that's the beauty of the situation we're in here, having both the financial flexibility this summer and obviously the following summer, as opposed to being you know a team that's young, um, but not as successful as they want to be from a win loss column, and having zero flexibility. Uh, we don't have that, so we're in a great spot. So when it is time. Uh, we'll we'll be ready to go out there and be players. And that makes sense. I had a feeling it wasn't going to be a defined timetable, but I I had to ask the question as you will. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. At, I'm good at putting <laughs> by not answering stuff, huh? Well, no, that's that's uh, that's sort of the nature of the beast when you when you do your job. Yeah. And uh, no, it's uh, it's important. I mean, I I try to sort of outline and remind people that it's it's a patient thing. Rebuilds take time, and I think you guys are on the right track. So that's just me talking. But uh, I I appreciate you uh, taking me take some time today. I really really appreciate that, and that was a good way to sort of celebrate a milestone for us. And hopefully, uh, you know, I, get, I wish you the best of luck uh, moving forward. No problem. I appreciate it.